today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Well, what's the point of the parable? The point of the parable is the one who built his house on the rock is the one who put the words of Christ into practice. The one who built his house on the sand is the one who did not. The Word of God is the foundation. So when, not if, the things that are happening in this world today happen, and they're happening, we're not shaken, we're not moved. It's kind of like, I'm on the rock. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 1 Timothy. Jesus Christ is your firm foundation. In today's message from Pastor J.D., he explains to you the importance of having the Word of God as your foundation. When Christ and His Word is your foundation, your foundation is as stable as a rock. However, when it's not, you are on sinking sand. So build your house on the rock. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. I think about the Apostle Paul when he talks about, and he's referring to the ancient games that we know today as the Olympics. He's saying, we, we train, we work, we, we deprive ourselves, and we train ourselves, and we put ourselves through all of this for a wreath that doesn't last. How much more should we do that for the crown that will? That's what Paul's talking about. One last thing. Did I say one last thing yet? Okay, this will be the last thing on this point. Don't start closing your Bibles yet. We're not anywhere close to being done. So, (laughs) okay. Okay, i got to help me out, Lord, on this one, okay? Do you realize that for all eternity, we will be doing that which we had done here on earth? Proportionate to what we did here in the span of maybe 70 years, 80 years, however long your life here on earth is, your life lived here will determine your eternal life forever. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. There's varying differing measures of treasures in heaven. Matthew 6, Jesus said, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where the IRS, I mean the thief comes in and steals. (laughs) Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy, where thief cannot break in and steal. And then he says this, and it's really profound, and it can be easily missed at first read. He says, where your heart, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Notice he doesn't say it the other way around. He doesn't say where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be. No, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. 
Where's your investment? What's the master passion of your life? Is it in the things of this world, which is passing away? Or is it laid up in heaven, awaiting? And it is not vulnerable or susceptible or accessible to anything that in any way would diminish it. Spiritual exercise. The second one is in verses 9 through 11, and it's very simply again, very fundamentally, (laughs) trusting God. Here, Paul makes it clear, in no uncertain terms really, that our only hope is in Jesus as our Savior in whom we put all our trust. Now, by virtue of Paul saying this, there's an implication here. And the implication is, don't put your trust in any man. Don't waste your time. Put your trust in God. If there was ever a time that the world is looking for hope and a Savior to save us, because we need saving, (laughs) it is now. But here's the problem. We talked about this in the prophecy update today, actually. Innate within us is this need for heroes. We put men on pedestals upon which they do not belong. And God is a jealous God, not of us, for us. And you know, in the, in the first two commandments, one would think that God is declaring, Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Because I'm God, and I said so. No. It's the opposite. It's more like this. Not the Ten Commandments, as one said, it's the tender commandments. From a loving, tender, heavenly Father who loves us so much. And He says, don't don't have these other gods with a little g, because those gods are not gods. And don't make for yourself images of these gods and bow down to worship them because they're not gods. They're not going to be there for you. They don't love you. They they didn't die for you. I did. (laughs) Don't do that because I am the Lord your God. Replete throughout the Old Testament, time and time again. God commands Moses to have Aaron speak to the people, I am the Lord your God. Have you ever stopped to kind of maybe examine where the emphasis is when you read a scripture like that? It's not, I am the Lord your God, or I am the Lord your God, or I am the Lord your God. I think the emphasis is on I. I am the Lord your God that brought you and delivered you out of Egypt. That's not your God. That's not your God. That's not even a God. How's that God going to help you? I think about when they captured the Ark of the Covenant, and they, they take it into the temple of Dagon, their God that they worshipped. That was their God. They had this statue. Dagon was a half man, half fish God. 
And they would worship this God. So the Philistines capture the Ark of the Covenant. They take it into the temple of Dagon, and then they leave. They come back the next morning. Oh, Dagon is on its face, good place to be before the Ark of the Covenant. And if that weren't bad enough, it broke. So they had to, you know, glue their God back together. You know you're in trouble when you've got to take care of your God, because your God can't take care of you. So here's this God, Dagon. Dagon it. I don't know if that's where that came from, but you know it's interesting. I didn't do one last thing on this one. So one last thing on this one. Very interesting. You know Jonah, right? Fascinating. So he, of course, runs from God. You know how this went down, and. Nice try. Listen, you can't run from God, okay? Uh, So finally, he he, how how does God get him to, because God's going to get us to Nineveh whether we like it or not, okay? So he gets him to Nineveh. How? I'm sorry for the, the graphic nature of this, but he is barfed out of a big fish. And he's been in the belly of that fish. There's some typology here for three days. Now think about the stomach acids in that huge fish. And by the way, this is a true story. (laughs) It happened. And the stomach acids would have bleached him albino white. And he'd have come out looking, I mean, crazy, man. (laughs) Now, here's what's interesting. You know what God the Ninevites worshipped? Dagon. Half fish, half man. So you're a Ninevite. And all of a sudden, your God comes ashore, the fish, and out comes a man. You got my attention. I would suggest that that's why they repented, much to the consternation of Jonah. He was mad at God. He's like, listen, if, if Jonah were alive today, he would not be asked to speak at any conferences. I mean, you know, he didn't even preach the gospel. There was no good news, no hope, no nothing. You know what his his message was? (laughs) Forty days, man, you're going to burn. I can't wait. I'm going to go up here and wait and watch. You're going to burn. They're like, we are? And then they repent. And Jonah's going, what are you doing? Well, you know the, read Jonah. It's a great, it's a, anyway. All right. I said one last thing, so I can't say anything more on that one. Number three, this is a biggie, verse 12. Godly examples. Interesting. Paul would tell Timothy not to let anyone despise him or look down on him because of his age. Now, it's thought, now don't imagine that he was a teenager. He's probably in his 20s, maybe even his 30s. But in that day, that was considered young. And doubtless, there were people in that church there in Ephesus who were old enough to be his dad. So you got this young whippersnapper that's the pastor. They're like, what are you giving? Come on. So Paul says, don't, don't let him do that. Don't let them look down on you. Don't let them despise you. Now, if I'm Timothy, I'm like, how am I going to do that? I'm going to preach a message and rebuke them. Don't look down on me. (laughs) 
Don't despise me. Yeah, that's going to work. Now, Paul tells him how. He says, don't give them anything to despise in the first place. In other words, instead of looking down on him, they will look up to him. Why? Because of his godly example in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. How are you going to look down on that? In fact, if I'm in my 50s or 60s, and he's in his 20s or 30s, and he's a godly example of that which at my age I'm not, that's how. Here's the thought. The world today, and I would add the church today, is begging for godly examples. They're, they're, they're looking, they, they need an example, a model. That's what godliness looks like. It sure wasn't modeled in my home growing up. It was the opposite in my own. I, I never had that modeled for me. I've never seen a real deal example of that. But Timothy apparently was a good example of that. And that's why it is, by the way, that Paul would say, don't let them get away with that. You've not given them anything to look down on you for. In fact, if anything, you've given them every reason to look up to you, because you are a godly example. This, this kid, I'm sorry if I'm calling him a kid, okay, whippersnapper, boy, this was a godly kid. This was a godly example. I think this speaks to a dynamic in the church today, where you've got younger people, young Christians, that haven't been walking with the Lord that long, that are shaming those who have, the older. We uh, looked at this a little bit in the Prophecy Update today. Paul references it to his, uh, in his epistle to the Corinthians, but also the writer of Hebrews, even more pronounced, says, you know what the problem is? By now you should be eating meat, but you can't. You've never matured, and you're old enough. In fact, not only should you be eating meat, you should be teaching right now, but you're still on milk. You've never matured. You've never grown. It's not how long you've been on the road, it's how fast have you driven on the road, if you will. And that was Timothy. Here's the fourth one. It's in verses 13 and 14, and it's the Word of God. (laughs) I know this is a firm grasp of the obvious, but here's the thing. I don't know if it's possible to overstate the importance of what Paul tells Timothy here concerning a devotion to the Word of God. I don't want this to come off unloving, (laughs) but I really, this is sincere and honest and from the heart, and the Lord knows my heart, but I honestly do not know how any Christian can survive in this world absent the Word of God? How, how are you doing that? I, it, it, it's the bread of life. 
It's a light unto my feet, a lamp unto my path. Actually, it's the other way around. Psalm 119. This world is getting darker by the moment, by the minute, really. How, How are you navigating your way through this world without the Word of God? Again, I'll say it this way. There was a time, actually not that long ago, where you could have gotten away with it. You know, just not really knowing the Word of God or the God of the Word. But how, how are you going to do that now? I, I, I think about, and please, I'm not beating up on anybody, but I, I just, I, it's, a, it's a genuine, godly sympathy, if I can say it that way, for Christians who don't know God's Word in this world. The biblical illiteracy? No wonder. I mean, it explains a lot if you think about it. Not being grounded in the Word of God. Putting into practice the Word of God. You know that parable that Jesus taught about the two builders? One on the rock, one on the sand? You know, everything was the same about these two builders except one thing. The foundation. And the one who built his home on the sand. When, not if, the storm came, it came crashing down. And there's even an interesting detail in the parable. Jesus says, and when it did, it came down with a loud crash. In other words, this was not just a, you know, it came off of its foundation. No, this this thing fell down, and loud and bad was this fall. Well, what's the point of the parable? The point of the parable is the one who built his house on the rock is the one who put the words of Christ into practice. The one who built his house on the sand is the one who did not. The Word of God is the foundation. So when, not if, the things that are happening in this world today happen, and they're happening, we're not shaken, we're not moved. It's kind of like... I'm on the rock. Many years ago, we lived on the mainland. We used to go to the coast in Oregon. I wouldn't recommend going there now. (laughs) Sadly, actually. So sad. Heartbreaking, really. And we'd go to this place called Cannon Beach. They had a Christian conference center. I'm sure they still do. And we would stay there at this Christian conference center. They'd bring in these uh, pastors and teachers from all over. And great teachers, so nice, beautiful, right there on the, on the beach. And when you went to the beach, you would see what's known as Haystack Rock. Here's this, this huge rock, and depending on the tide, it's out into the ocean, but close in proximity to the beach. And the, the waves are crashing up against this rock. And if you look close enough, what you'll see on Haystack Rock are these birds. And they're just singing and praising their Creator, oblivious to the waves crashing below. Why? Because they're on the rock. Yeah, but the waves are crashing. I'm on the rock. What, those waves are going to move the rock? (laughs) What, the the rock is going to be moved by the waves? No, I'm on the rock. And is that not an apt description, a 
beautiful painted portrait on the canvas of our lives. No matter what's happening around us, if I'm on the rock and the rock is Christ, the words of Christ, the Word of God, I am so rock solid. I am sound. You can bring whatever wave you want. Don't you find it interesting that Paul would tell Timothy not to neglect his gift? Apparently there was at some point where they laid hands on him, acknowledging that he had this gift of teaching and preaching and as a pastor. And then he says, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture and preaching and teaching. What's the difference between preaching and teaching? Preaching is proclaiming, teaching is instructing. But the public reading of Scripture, do you realize that we need but read the Word of God? Because when we get into the Word, the Word gets into us. Just And then hearing it audibly, again, where does faith come? Thank you. Hearing. Let him who has an ear hear. Again, replete throughout the Old Testament, hear, O Israel. The Lord your God is one God. The Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. This last one I want to spend the remainder of our time on. Because the Lord really ministered a couple things here to me that I want to share with you in verses 15 and 16. It has to do with wholeheartedness. Wholeheartedness. Not half-heartedness. Wholeheartedness. If you were to ask me what I thought was one of the highest priorities, if not the highest priority for us today in this world in which we are living, I think this would have to be it. So notice with me that Paul tells Timothy to be diligent. There's a difference between diligence and vigilance, but both ends of the table are covered. How? By giving yourself fully, holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. And by the way, you'll forgive the play on words, but you know what it means to be holy? You know, in Scripture we're told to be holy as He is holy? Okay, I'll get right on it. How? Oh, so glad you asked. The how of the Holy Spirit empowers us to live a holy life. And you know what a holy life is? It's a whole life. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. If you haven't yet found a church home, we'd like to encourage you to make that a priority. A church family is a source of support, comfort, and most importantly, faithful prayer warriors. Paul wrote the book of 1 Timothy with this in mind. He knew how important it was to have the support and prayers of other believers in Christ. Church is also a place you can serve and encourage others, too. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to join our church family. At Calvary Chapel Kaneohe, we meet on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times, directions, and more at our website, 
in spiritandtruthradio.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor J.D.'s additional teachings, as well as his Mideast Prophecy Updates, an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this time in our world. You can also find Pastor J.D.'s ABCs of Salvation there. This is a great tool to share the simplicity of the gospel message with friends and family. Again, that website is inspiritandtruthradio.com. As we continue to study the wisdom from the book of 1 Timothy with Pastor J.D., we hope you've been encouraged to live out your faith in a new way. The Bible holds information, encouragement, and instruction that will be beneficial to you on your faith journey. So keep diving in. Well, that's all we have time for today, but be sure to join us next time for more from God's Word right here on In Spirit and Truth.